Welcome to the Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. Happy New Year. Next month is the month of the good snakes. We'll be releasing five individual episodes throughout February. At the end of the month, we'll open voting, and you, the listener, will vote on your favorite stories. But our story today was written by Alan and Aaron Rainey. Alan and Aaron Rainey are a father-son writing team. Alan is an enthusiastic sci-fi fan with over 30 years of business, ministry, and leadership experience. He lives in the frozen land of Hibbing, Minnesota, where he and his wife, Becky, have admittedly raised a family of self-professed nerds, including his eldest son and co-author, Aaron. Aaron, his wife, Jill, and their four children also live in Hibbing, Minnesota. He is currently Dean of Academics at Hibbing Community College after teaching writing for eight years in HCC's English department. The Rainies are working toward the release of Hornet's Nest, the second novel in their Flight of Angels series. Set in the Flight of Angels universe, today's story, Blood Ace, explores Dex DeFalco's younger days as an up-and-coming fighter pilot in The Gunslingers, his quest for glory, and the fateful decision that has haunted him ever since. You can learn more about this great series at www.flightoftheangels.com or follow Alan and Aaron at facebook.com backslash flightoftheangels. Our story today was narrated by Aaron Uckhart. Aaron Uckhart is a Californian by birth and a South Carolinian by choice. He lives in Williamston with his wife and son where Aaron serves as a pastor of Faith Presbyterian. Aaron is a graduate of Princeton Seminary and you can watch his services on their YouTube channel. Check out the show notes for the link. You can find his church at www.faithpresbyterianSC.com, where you can also read his blog. Today's story originally appeared in the Crossover Alliance Anthology, Volume 1. So, without further ado, The Untold Podcast presents Blood Ace by Alan and Aaron Rainey. Dex DeFalco had every reason to feel good. His polished dress uniform shoes clicked smartly on the geranium deck plates of the United Coalition carrier Callisto as he navigated the thick press of the always busy passageway. He nodded curtly to new subordinates making eye contact while smiling in acknowledgement to peers offering their congratulations. Typical of most Coalition Navy observances, Dex's promotion ceremony had been short but meaningful. Under the clear panoramic dome of the Callisto's observation lounge, the pure white void of ether space playing havoc on reality just beyond, he had stood at attention while Captain Anton Walters pinned the UCN Medal of Valor and a new gleaming gold bar to his uniform tunic. The recognition of Dex's heroics at the Oranos engagement had only taken two weeks to clear the customary bureaucracy, and now it was official. Dex DeFalco, the pilot who had single-handedly saved a civilian light transport from six bandits, scoring kills on three hostile razors in the process, was now a full-fledged lieutenant. 
As Dex strode purposefully down the passageway, his friend, Lieutenant Hagen LeBrien, kept pace just behind him. Broad-shouldered and nearly two meters tall, he had to juke and jostle a little more than Dex to avoid the surge of pilots, deck sergeants, and support personnel all waiting to acknowledge the young hero. Attaboy, Dex! That was some nice shooting, Lieutenant. Way to go, Deadeye! Hagen caught up to him. Deadeye? His voice was soft enough for only Dex to hear. You like the sound of that, don't you? Dex smiled. I can get used to it, Sarge. Sure beats the hell out of my old nickname. What, you have a problem with Tarzan? I thought it suited you just fine. Dex cringed at the thought. And the UC Navy fighter pilots rarely had a say in what call sign would eventually stick. Most monikers, like Ninja and Gamble, seemed to serve their pilots well, attesting to their personalities and flying acumen. Even Hagen's call sign Sarge was an indicator of the respect that fellow pilots held for the burly, imposing lieutenant. But Dex had been deathly afraid that Tarzan, an unfortunate handle he earned as a cadet following an embarrassing sleepwalking incident, would haunt him his entire career. Hagen placed a strong, ebony hand on Dex's shoulder, guiding him past a couple galley crew members through a hatch and into an adjoining passageway. Well, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that anymore. It seems to me that you've gotten yourself a new call sign. He paused. But before we go repainting your hornet, let's just make sure you can live up to it. Dex turned to his friend. Although he smiled easily, the overhead lighting panels revealed a glint in his eyes, matched by the slight edge to his voice. Live up to it. What are you getting at, Sarge? Come on, Dex. No one is disputing that what you did out there was amazing. They'll probably make a training hollow out of your data feed, for all I know. Dex cocked his head. But... Hagen exhaled. But I'm thinking that it could have just as easily gone a whole lot differently. That second set of slammers, if they locked on like they were supposed to... But they didn't, Dex interrupted. They went ballistic, or something. At any rate, they miss, and I'm still here. Yeah, I know that. I, I know. You survived, and you managed to take out three razors on your own. Dex stayed silent, allowing LeBrian to continue. Even though Hagen had outranked him until a few minutes ago, that technically had never interfered with their friendship. Now that they were peers, Dex wasn't about to stop listening to the older man's counsel. You're good, Dex. I've known that since you joined the Gunslingers, but I'm still trying to figure something out. Dex could see that Hagen was serious. Getting into an argument with his friend was the last thing he wanted, especially tonight. He tried to keep his tone light. What's that? How quickly I managed to pass you up in kills? The attempted humor fell flat. Hagen frowned. Do you really think that's what I'm all about? Dex held his hands out, adopting an innocent expression. Hey, you told me yourself that's why you were transferred out here. After you nailed those two pirates in the Vesta system, you figured the brass wanted you somewhere with a little more action. Hagen leveled his gaze at the young lieutenant. And why do you think that is? Dex shrugged. That's easy. The UCN hasn't had a blood ace since the Frontier War. That was, what, 30 years ago? With two-man kills under your belt, they wanted to put you where there was at least an outside chance you could pick up three more. Exactly, Hagen shook his head. An outside chance. Do you know how many actual kills have been recorded since the war? Blood kills? Not counting unmanned craft? Yeah, blood kills. Do you know how many? Dex shook his head. He knew the number would be small. Ten, Hagen said. In the entire UCN, a grand total of ten kills. Heck, no single pilot has even notched five drone kills. It's not that they simply want a new ace, Dex. They're desperate for it. It's part of the reason we're out here playing chicken with pirates in the shipping lanes. The brass want engagements. They need engagements. 
They need a hero to plaster all over the recruitment hollows. Dex wasn't surprised. Not a single active pilot could boast wearing the prestigious Flying Ace insignia. In fact, the only time he had ever laid eyes on the navy blue medal was through a glass display at the academy. Like all cadets, he had imagined the honor and recognition that would come with having it pinned to his uniform tunic. The awards display was clearly intended for precisely that kind of motivation. Still, even the most motivated of pilots couldn't make engagements materialize out of thin air. So you're saying they want to use you as a poster boy? Hagen nodded grimly. Walters pretty much spelled it out for me when I first came on board. Oh, he didn't say it directly, but the pressure was there. It's always been there, from everyone. When is LeBrian going to notch his next kill? Only three to go. It's been a year, Lieutenant. Are you sure you've been pressing your advantage? You've got no idea what it's like. At the moment, Dex simply wanted to get out of this choker whites into something more comfortable and then start a proper celebration, but this was a new side of Hagen. There was a new level of intensity in the big man's demeanor that made Dex pause. So why are you telling me this now? He could see the disbelief in Hagen's expression. You really don't get it. You just notched three kills, three blood kills in one engagement. Any pressure I was under, you're going to feel it now, probably more so. Trust me, that's not an easy thing. It affects you day by day, mission by mission. It can get into your head. I just want you to be ready. Dex nodded. Okay, I get it. One of us needs to be that poster boy. I've got to tell you, Sarge, I'm not seeing a problem here. He flashed a grin. We're both handsome enough. He turned back towards the main passageway, but the hulking lieutenant blocked the hatch. I'm serious, Dex. Yeah, everyone on this boat wants to see a new ace, but it's not going to happen, at least not as fast as they want it. I've been waiting a year, you may wait even longer. Even out here, the engagements are just too rare. Dex smiled. Oh, I don't know. You got two of them, I just got three. That's five between the two of us. Maybe we'll run into some pirates out there who are just desperate or stupid enough to take us on. Is that what you really want? Dex put up his hands. Hey, you said yourself that we're looking for the first ace in a generation. Why shouldn't it be you or me? I'll take it if it comes, but I'm not going to look for it. Well, one of us should. Dex still wanted to lighten the moon. Hey, you said you were still trying to figure something out about me? Hagen nodded. Yeah, that's right. You took on those six fighters alone. You nailed three of them and saved that transport in the process. He good-naturedly tapped the freshly pinned Medal of Valor on Dex's breast pocket. Dex knew that Hagen wasn't jealous. A man of strong faith, it just wasn't in his character. You got some nice new chess candy and you got yourself promoted quicker than anyone I know. So what are you trying to figure out? Hagen cocked his head. A sly look replaced his somber expression. I'm trying to figure out if you're really as good as you think you are, if you just got lucky this time, or if you're just, well, he finally managed to smile. Blessed. Dex laughed, clapping Hagen on the back. Probably a combination of all three, Sarge. He glanced at his chrono. Hey, Abby should be off duty by now. We're supposed to meet her at the Red Ball. Come on, I just got promoted. Let's celebrate. Hagen shook his head. It was his turn to laugh. <laughs> Whatever you say, Lieutenant. As Dex leaned back and took another drink of his back-in ale, it suddenly occurred to him that this was the first time he'd ever felt truly at ease in the Red Wall. The officer's lounge was tiny. Well, UCN carriers weren't exactly famous for their spacious accommodations. 
and during peak hours, this room was typically filled beyond capacity. His Red Ball experience to that point had mostly consisted of awkward shuffling and nose-to-nose small talk while waiting in vain for a seat to open up. This particular evening, on the other hand, was as close to idyllic as he could imagine. The lounge was completely empty aside from Dex, his two closest friends, relaxing around a little table in the corner of the room. Even the requisite on-duty attendant was nowhere to be found. Dex had quickly understood why a small box had been waiting for him at the table. Inside had been three bottles of Bacchian Craft Ale and a note, Stay Thirsty, Deadeye. Three bottles for three kills. Naval vessels were officially dry, with the exception of a small reserve of champagne set aside for special occasions. And yet, any time a pilot scored a kill, manned or unmanned, a contraband bottle of ale always managed to materialize. Dudex wasn't much of a drinker, but he was finding his ale to be rather refreshing. He'd offered the other two bottles to his companions. Hagen had accepted, while Abby predictably had opted instead for a glass of carbonated filene with a slice of lemon. The effervescent drink was a favorite of hers, which, along with her upbeat personality, had earned her the call sign, Bubbles. Dex knew that the two of them must have called in some pretty big favors to get the Red Ball reserved for an evening, and he was incredibly grateful. Given the hectic nature of his life since Oranus, this was precisely the sort of evening he needed. The conversation had settled into a natural lull when Abby abruptly turned to Hagen and asked, So are we going to have to start calling him Ace? Hagen adopted a grave expression and shook his head. I doubt it. He just got a new call sign. I don't think he could change it again so quickly. Abby set down her glass. I'm not talking about a call sign. I'm talking about legally changing his name. I mean, I know I would. Dex simply smiled and raised his bottle to his lips. He knew that any protestations would just spur them on. Abby continued. I've always wondered what it'd be like to live like an ace. Hagen appeared to ponder the idea. I'm guessing there are special ace heads on board that they keep hidden from us common folk golden seats and whatnot. I bet they give you a jacket with ace written across the back. Hagen perked up. Yeah, black leather one. Real leather, Abby added, her eyes brightening. Hagen frowned. No, that's too far. I bet Caron Jenkins himself doesn't own any real leather. Dex smirked. The man could certainly afford it, but it was true that not even the president of Gen Corps was likely to risk suffering the wrath of the eco-enforcers. Abby raised her eyebrow. Yeah? Well, Caron Jenkins isn't an ace. Hagen snorted and couldn't contain his grin any longer, breaking the mock serious tone. The three of them chuckled and sipped their drinks. Dex briefly caught Abby's eyes, large and crystal blue, and was once again taken by her beauty. Her light blonde hair trimmed neatly just above her shoulders. Her slender jawline and her lips, seemingly always smiling, were on the verge of it. There was a different sort of life about her, a life Dex found irresistibly attractive and contagious, a life that Dex didn't recognize in himself. He had the vague sense that prior to meeting her, he had been lacking something. Whether it was simply a better outlook on life or something much deeper, he wasn't sure. He just knew that everything seemed brighter when she was around. Abby held his gaze, and after a beat, Dex self-consciously turned toward Hagen. How's the family doing? Hagen's expression softened a little more. Oh, you know Maccus still has his heart set on the Marines. And what do you two think about that? Well, I don't see what's so shameful about flying hornets from the Navy, but 
Penny couldn't be prouder. Hagen was making little effort to mask his pride as well. And is she doing okay, Penny? Dex asked. It was known throughout the squadron that Hagen's wife had been injured in a recent outburst of violence on Athena. Unfortunately, such violence against communities of believers was becoming increasingly commonplace out near the frontier. She's hanging in there. She's strong, you know. Dex nodded and lowered his voice. Well, we know God's watching over her. Even though he knew the room was empty, he glanced around out of habit. It wasn't as bad as the old days when getting discovered as a believer meant an indefinite stay in one of the Riyadh camps, but one could still never be too careful. For all Dex knew, they were the only three believers on the entire carrier. He leaned in closer to Hagen and looked him in the eye. And I want you to know I'm praying for her. Why don't we pray now? Abby had spoken in a normal volume, but Dex was startled nevertheless. Compared to his near whisper, she might as well have been standing on the table shouting. With one eye fixed on the entrance, Dex bowed his head and agreed with his friends in prayer. When they finished, the three sat in silence for a few moments. Abby was the first to move, rising from the table. Well, boys, it's been fun. Dex spoke up as she reached the door. Remember pre-flight briefing at 0700 tomorrow. Will there be coffee? Dex snorted and nodded in affirmation. I'm there. And she was gone. Dex turned his attention back to Hagen and saw that his friend was already giving him a knowing look. So when are you going to ask her out already? Dex's cheeks flushed. He wasn't accustomed to talking about his personal life, not even with Hagen. I don't know, you really think she's into me? Hagen gave him a patronizing look. She is. For the life of me, I can't figure out what she sees in you, but yeah, she's smitten. Hagen paused and grinned. And I don't think she's the only one. Dex looked down at the table, hoping to hide his embarrassment. It's just, I, I don't know, it's complicated. Especially now that she's my wingman. Besides, there are rules about this sort of thing. Hagen leaned in. You make ace, and you can make your own rules. Dex grunted, wondering if there was a kernel of truth in that statement. He downed the rest of the ale and briefly considered opening the last one before deciding against it. He and Avi were pulling escort duty tomorrow, and he wanted to make sure that he was sharp as possible. The odds of an engagement were slim, and a second ale likely wasn't going to affect him much the next day, but he couldn't risk his mind or reflexes being even slightly sluggish. His next opportunity for a kill could come at any moment, and when that time came, he wanted to make sure that he had no regrets. was meant to happen. How else to explain the flight of unregistered razors dropping from the ether just a single click ahead of him, as if God had placed them there by hand? Four fighters, likely pirates, likely hostile. Not too large a force and not too small. If, say, there had only been a pair, Dex couldn't exactly have asked Abby to stand down so that he could splash both, but we were sure she would have deferred if asked. Fortunately, it was a non-issue. If everything went the way he hoped, 
be enough kills for both of him and his wingman. First though, procedure. Dex activated the universal comm. Area P61s, be advised you are nearing a protected coalition shipping lane. Entering restricted space will be viewed as a hostile act and you will be fired upon. His initial excitement at the arrival of the Razors had already faded by the time Dex closed the comm. It may have been the perfect size hostile force, but the situation wasn't exactly ideal. The Navy rules of engagement specified that he could only engage if the bogies entered restricted space or if they initiated the engagement. Dex's battle map showed that the pirates were holding course just outside the cylindrical shipping lane that extended to the planet Artemis. This was deliberate. Seasoned pirates knew the rules of engagement just as well as Navy pilots, and they exploited them to the fullest. The boldest pirates would jump into the middle of a shipping lane, hoping to drop right on top of a cargo ship, but that was a risky proposition in Navy-patrolled space. Like most pirates who worked the shipping lanes, these ones were playing it cautiously. As he assessed the situation, Dex realized, with increasing disappointment, that from the pirates' perspective, this was the worst possible scenario. The nearest cargo ship was following protocol, holding course to the dead center of the shipping lane, 150 clicks from the nearest edge and nearly 200 clicks ahead. The Razors, armed only with short-range guns, would have to venture far into the lane to attack the cargo ship, something that was dangerous enough without a pair of hornets directly on their tails. This was precisely why the overwhelming majority of Navy contacts with pirates resulted in non-engagements. Though they were in dangerous line of work, few pirates had an overt death wish. Dex was growing more and more agitated. He could fly the rest of his career and never get an opportunity like this. Indeed, it was entirely possible that he would never so much as glimpse another hostile fighter again. Don't jump. Don't jump. Dex felt as though he were trying to will the pirates into remaining in system. He and Abi had pulled up alongside the Razors. The thin Delta Wing fighters were now a mere 30 meters away off their starboard wing. At this range, Dex could look over through the canopies and see the dark visors in the flight helmets. If only he could see their eyes. Were they feeling uncertain, intimidated, or were they looking for a fight? As if in response, the rear pair of Razors began slowly dropping back. This was encouraged. This was an aggressive tactic. Occasionally, pirates would split up their formations in an attempt to draw Navy fighters away from the nearest cargo ship. For the Hornets, the procedure was clear. Maintain formation and keep in contact with the bogies that pose the greatest threat to the closest civilian ship. Once before, flying as the number two pilot in his element, Dex had been in a nearly identical scenario. A flight of pirates splitting up on the edge of a shipping lane. His lead had followed procedure, and after a few moments, the pirates had unceremoniously jumped away. To avoid the same outcome this time, he knew that he had to give the pirates a sense of confidence. He had to take their bait. Bubbles pitched back and saddled with cutters three and four. There was a brief pause. Abby knew the proper procedure just as well as Dex, and for a moment, Dex wondered if she'd push back. Roger was her only reply. On the battle map, he watched her hornet rise and flip around, flying towards the trailing pair of razors, which had already dropped to three clicks back. Meanwhile, for his part, Dex knew he needed to make himself a more appealing target. Working his throttle, he nudged his fighter forward, first putting his nose just ahead of the leading pair of razors, and then, finally, guiding the entire hornet in front of them. It went against his every instinct, exposing himself completely like that, but he had confidence that the rear shields would absorb the first few hits, and once it turned into a dogfight, he knew he could outmaneuver the razors, even given their starting advantage. 
The pirates, though, had still not so much as flinched. Dex was at a loss. Short of powering down his shields, he couldn't be any more vulnerable. There was only one more option. If he couldn't rationally convince them to attack, perhaps he could appeal to their pride. He jiggled his flight stick back and forth, wiggling his wings up and down. It was the best he could come up with. He never before taunted anyone in his hornet. He could only hope that the pirates were receiving the message loud and clear. The razors, however, remained as stoic as ever, giving no visible response. He waggled his wings again. Come on. He tried it a third time. Still nothing. Cowards, he thought. What a bunch of... His hornet shuddered from impact. The lead razor had opened up with a barrage of light green cannon bolts. Dex instantly threw his hornet into a hard left turn, giving himself a brief reprieve from the sudden onslaught. His heart was slamming against his chest, partly from the adrenaline of being shot at, but mostly at the realization that he was happening. He was going to get his shot. Two, he thought. I just need two. Sneaking a peek at the battle map, he saw that the lead razor was just about matching his turn while his wingman, caught off guard, was taking a wider arc. Dex pulled into a head-on at the pair of trailing razors. His visor heads-up display showed that they too had crossed into the shipping lane, giving Dex the authority to engage. As if to punctuate the point, the trailing razor opened fire on Abby's hornet. Fortunately, she had already narrowed the gap and the pirates only had time to squeeze off the briefest of shots before she raced past, slicing directly between them. Rather than turning to engage Abby's hornet, the trailing razors maintained a course, heading straight towards Dex, which, along with the two on his tail, left him momentarily in a four-on-one predicament. Felt a twinge in his stomach, but quickly fought off any feelings of anxiety, reminding himself that this was precisely the sort of scenario he'd been hoping for. He just needed to even odds a little. Dex armed his missiles and used his thumb control to guide the piper over the right razor. They were merging quickly, and with his hornet already on the near edge of missile range, Dex wasn't certain he'd be able to achieve the lock. The potent slammers had built-in failsafes to prevent them from detonating too soon after launch. Dex was pleasantly surprised then to hear a solid lock tone. He was wasting no time pulling the trigger. Box one, he called out, alerting Abby to the launch. The words had scarcely left his mouth when the vibrant blue missile shot forward and slammed into the razor. The resulting explosion violently rattled Dex's hornet, draining his forward shields by half. Flash cutter three, he called out to Abby. The implication was clear. They both knew he only needed one more. That would be it, though, for his slammers. He knew he was lucky to even get one kill with his missiles at this range, which meant that his ace kill would have to be with the guns. That suited Deadeye just fine. With his wingman destroyed, Razor 4 turned hard right back towards the edge of the shipping lane, hoping it seemed to run from the battle. It was a panic move. To have any chance, the pirate should have engaged Dex head-on. Instead, he had yielded the advantage. An easy left bank was all Dex needed to maneuver his hornet into the control zone. His ace kill looked as though it was going to be the easiest of his career. As Dex lined up the shot, he was once again slammed forward in his seat. The lead pair of razors had regained position on his six and were peppering his rapidly fading aft shields. His training told him that he should perform a defensive maneuver, another hard turn to shake the bandit off his six, but he knew doing so would mean abandoning his pursuit of Razor 4. The perfect opportunity had been laid at his feet. He might not get another shot like this the rest of the engagement, which means he might not get another shot like this ever again. He was only a few seconds away from a sure kill. He could feel it. Bubbles, I'm pressing. Can you clear my sex? There was no hesitation from Abby this time. I'm on it. 
Dex tracked the Hornet on the battle map. Rather than taking extra time to maneuver behind Razors 1 and 2, she surged ahead, flying directly towards their flanks, closing the gap as quickly as possible. Atta girl, Dex thought. Out of the corner of his eye, he caught a series of bright yellow flashes as Abby opened up with their forward cannons, firing long, wild bursts, creating the greatest possible distraction. Seconds later, she flashed behind his tail from right to left, ducking under the pair of razors at the last moment. The pirates swerved and halted their fire. Abby had done her job. Now it was time for Dex to do his. He lined up his piper directly on Razor 4, positioned squarely on his 6. There was no need to even lead the target, just point and shoot. He squeezed the trigger and watched as the two lines of yellow bolts shot forward and streaked past the razor, somehow bracketing in the fighter above and below without actually hitting it. Dex focused and adjusted his aim slightly and fired a second volley. Once again, the bolts just missed their target. Dex was growing frustrated. The razor wasn't even evading particularly well. And Dex was the best gunfighter in the squadron. It shouldn't be taking this long. Meanwhile, his internal clock was screaming at him that he needed to get this kill, and he needed to get it now. The Razor suddenly dove hard right, and without thinking, Dex snapped his piper in front of the target and squeezed off a quick burst. The first of the cannon bolts met the fighter squarely at its nose, while the remainder of the volley tore a line through the rest of the Razor, punching through its light shielding and hull. The fighter was carved into a half dozen pieces that slowly drifted apart before succumbing to a series of staccato explosions. Five. Having just achieved his ace kill, Dex wasn't as elated as he might have anticipated. Rather, he was overcome with a sense of relief. He'd done it. Nothing could take that away. He could get shot down in the next breath, and that wouldn't change the fact from that this point forward, he would be remembered as Dex DeFelco, flying ace. His hands began to tremble. Alamo! Alamo! I need help! The sound of Abby's desperate plea brought his world caving in. Any satisfaction he had felt a moment earlier was eclipsed by a profound despair. Dex instantly pulled his horn into a sharp turn, the strain of the maneuver only partially accounting for the sensation of blood draining from his face. There was a sudden clarity about what he'd done. He had become intoxicated by his own internal narrative, believing in a story that culminated with him as the hero, with him earning universal admiration and respect, screaming towards his wingman, towards his friend, the Coalition Navy's newest ace awakened to the sobering truth. All he'd really managed to accomplish was to get Abby killed. Not yet. She wasn't dead yet. She was still there, fighting for her life against two bandits breathing down her neck, the same fighters she had pulled off his tail moments ago. His HUD showed that her shields were failing and her engines were critically damaged. There was nothing she could do to escape. The lead razor was hammering her while Abby sprayed back with her rear cannons. The two of them slugged it out from point-blank range. Dex engaged his afterburners, praying furiously in his mind while he targeted the lead razor with his slammers. As he waited for a lock, the razor suddenly exploded, and Dex allowed himself to hope. If Abby had somehow gotten the best of Razor 1 and escaped, he could chase the other razor off her tail. Faced with for reasons to hope, his mind told him it was in vain. The lead razor had been too close to her. Even with her full shields, an explosion at that range should have destroyed her. A secondary explosion of equal size erupted just after the first. Dex leaned forward in his seat, 
straining to see if Obby's hornet was still intact. As the flames dissipated, Dex found himself staring into empty space. He frantically looked down in time to see the hornet dissolve from the battle map. With an explosion of that size, there was almost no chance she could have survived an ejection, if she had had the chance to punch out at all. Nevertheless, he scanned the area, searching, begging for a sign of hope. His thumper was cold. Nothing. Dag slumped back in his seat. Numb from head to toe, he stared out into the void for what felt like a lifetime. Only when he caught a glimpse of the final razor jumping into the ether did he realize that he hadn't been alone. Now, he was. The official recognition of Dex's feat did not take long. The Coalition Navy had been more than ready to elevate its first modern ace. There had been a respectful pause, a week, to honor the memory of Flight Lieutenant Oppie Banks. Following her memorial, the whirlwind of activity commenced almost immediately. Info feed correspondents were hastily dispatched to the Callisto in order to be on hand for the ceremony. Hollow cams followed Dex everywhere, angling close for the perfect shot, recording his every breath for what might turn out to be the evening feed's opening soundbite. The ceremony itself was a perfect mix of pomp and disciplined efficiency. Every speech, every motion, planned, tested, and vetted for maximum impact. Back in his dress whites once again under the clear dome of the observation lounge, Dex stood at attention while Captain Walters pinned an additional thin silver bar to his tunic. Those assembled held their applause. While Dex's advancement to lieutenant commander, following so closely behind his recent promotion, was unprecedented in the peacetime military, it was the next presentation that held the fascination of all watching. Captain Walters retrieved a simple blue velvet box from the podium. Opening it, he removed the flying ace insignia, its navy blue background accented by a blood-red diagonal slash, and pinned it to Dex's chest. Walters saluted, and Dex returned it. His hand dropping smartly back to his side gave permission for all in attendance to finally express their appreciation and congratulations. Boisterous shouts and applause accompanied the customary handshaking and good-natured jostling. Varanian champagne corks popped, glasses were filled, and nearly endless array of toasts. Some respectful, some body, all in honor of their new ace began in earnest. Hagen had been there at the beginning. He offered warm, sincere congratulations, grasping Dex's hand a little longer than others had. Their eyes had met, both friends seeing past the smiles, past the celebration, into a pain that might never truly fade. 
Then Hagen had disappeared back into the crowd, quietly slipping away from the lounge sometime during the evening. Much later, after the last round, the last handshake, the last pat on the back, Dex walked slowly back towards his quarters. He was struck by how loudly the sound of his shoes echoed off the bulkheads of the nearly deserted passageway. Glancing down at the deck, his eyes came to rest on the ace insignia pinned to his chest. He noticed that its clasp had come undone, leaving it hanging at a particular angle, barely attached to the fabric of his uniform. He reached down, unhooked the metal, and stuffed it in his pocket. And that was our story. I hope you liked it. Be sure to go pick up a copy of Flight of the Angels. It really is a great book. And remember that... This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Please remember to join our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, blog about us, leave us a nice review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find us. And please, support us on Patreon, and tell your friends. The Untold Podcast has been funded by Jason Brannon, Fred Heimbach, Clayton Webb, Jen Finelli, Parker J. Cole, and Nathan and Casey Butler. And I'm Nathan James Norman, reminding you, the next opportunity for a kill could come at any moment. Mmm.